morning. How's everybody today? Some good worship, huh? I mean, not because I'm up there, but, uh, but it's just good. Oh, man, it's so awesome. But um, so before we kick this off, let's, let's lift this up to the Lord, huh? Be good. I might have forgot to do that the first service. Gee whiz, terrible at this. All right, Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house today with your people, brothers and sisters, um, people who you love. And uh, Lord God, I just pray that we would hear from you today, that we would all be open to, to hear from your word today, that we would be motivated by your word and your Holy Spirit to continue to take next steps to become as fruitful as we possibly can be in this, in this world. You saved us for this purpose. And uh, we're so grateful, Lord, for you, for what you've done. And I just pray that we would be filled with um, gratefulness, that we would be filled with um, just, the, uh, just awe, Lord God, today, in how great and how merciful and how good you are and how, how gracious you are to us. So I, I just praise you, Lord, and thank you. And I lift this up to you. Um, just uh, just want to be an empty vessel for you to speak through today. So praise you. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so you can see we have communion up here today, and, and it kind of works out great because uh, the message that I want to bring today, really this, this, is, this is kind of like the culmination of it. You know, so this is the this is the finish. This is this is actually it's the beginning, but the finish. So I'm not sure, but it, but it all it fits in really well. Um, and I want to say because now I think my son Josh might actually hear this. So it's his birthday today. He's 24. So happy birthday, Josh! If you end up watching this, um, <clears throat> I think he's, she said 24, right? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, that was last service. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. That's why I have to ask what she said. Um, so the, the last few times that I've preached, you know, I've been in 1 John, and, I, and it's, been a good, uh, it's been a good challenge to go through a book. Because, like, being a, a one-off kind of uh, preacher at this point, you know, doing a once-a-month kind of thing, you can kind of get locked into topical stuff. And, and that's not necessarily bad. But, but there's a different kind of challenge to going through the Word and just allowing God's Word to kind of speak the way that it's written. You know, and that's our goal, right? We want to hear God's Word for what it says. We don't want to add our own spin to it. We don't want to make it say what we want it to say. And so it's a, it's, that should be how we shall always approach God's Word. You know, we should always approach God word, God's Word to just hear what it has to say. Um, and man, it has everything to say, right? We can't go wrong with that. It is the truth. It is real. Um, so, so anyway, so we've been in 1 John. And for the last few times, oh my, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I think it was like that. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, so the last few times we've been in, oh, that's what happened. Sorry. Oh, this thing. Okay. All right. So, but no, the last few times we've been in First John, and I've been talking about 
Um, this is going to be a problem. Hold on. Let me see if I can find another route for this somewhere. Back there? Really? Nobody teaches me these things. Oh, hey, that might be better. I got it. Yeah, I think I got it. Okay. All right, that's good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, now let's be serious. No, um, so, but anyway, so the last few messages have been in First John. I think the last three. And we, I want to touch on a little bit of that as just kind of like a refresher. Not much, but because as we go through this, we're going to be we're going to be saying essentially the same things. And like I said in the first service, it's kind of good to preach once a month uh, in a sense that I could say the same thing every week and you guys wouldn't remember. Um, so because I said that last week, and I don't know if you remember me saying that, or last time I preached. So, it's, uh, so it kind of frees me up a little bit, which is kind of nice. Because the reality of the scripture is that it's not this complex thing that we, like, how do we make this? It's not like this secret kind of thing that we have to just spend, um, spend all our time trying to figure out, gee, what does God want me to do? Like, it's not what it is. There's some basics in here that if we can get a hold of those basics and we can really build those into our lives, then we're going to see the maturity and the fruit. And that's what we're going to be talking about, patterns of maturity. And um, we're going to see that. It's like, it's like uh, I don't know who likes football here. I like football. And my friend JD, Jim DeStano, if a lot of you guys know him, I would go over his house and watch the playoffs or something like that. And we hang out a little bit here and there. And I'm always, we're always talking about how these professional players <clears throat> are doing things that they learned not to do <coughs> Excuse me, in peewee football. They learned not to do certain things, and they're doing them, and they're the top of the top of the professional. But then when you see somebody like a Larry Fitzgerald, if you know who he is, he is... It was, is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and everything he does is right because he follows the basics. He's always in the right position. His hands are always in the right position. He's always catching the ball right. He's always doing these basics right, and it makes him great. If we can get a hold of the basics, if we can build these basics in, then we're going to be as effective and fruitful as possible. That's like, so, so, Again, I'm grateful for the once a month because I can say the basics over and over again. And, and I feel like, yeah, all right, you know, they're not going to remember that I said it last, last month. So, but hopefully we will, and hopefully we'll build these things in. So we talked about, in First John, we talked about walking in light and what that means. We talked about um, being commanded to love and, and the example we have in Christ and, and those things. And so I want to continue on with First John. We're in First John 2. 12 through 14. And, uh, and it says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So he's speaking to three different 
groups here. And I, I, John does this throughout his writing. You see a lot of these kind of repeating himself through it. But there's always a nuance to it. There's always something there. So my desire in this, because in my mind it, it makes the most sense, is to change the order of things here and go from little children to young men to fathers. You know, that's what I, like, I want to do that. But it's there. So I kind of want to stick with the way it is and just roll with it, you know, so and, and let it kind of, you know, let it kind of take us where it's going to take us. And I don't know why it's there. I don't know why it's set up like that. But, hey, it's probably good. It's God's word. Um, so, but he's speaking of three different groups. And I want to say that the, the uh, I want to bring this out as levels of spiritual maturity. Probably last year, I did a message in James on spiritual maturity. And again, that was last year. I mean, you know, so we could probably talk about it again. And, but this is actually going to build it, build, it, um, build it out a little bit more and give us some more of a framework and what it, what it looks like and uh, seeing the pattern of it, the growth of it, and where it, where it starts and where it ends. And so we're going to start the way that it starts. And we're going to start with, um, well, first of all, let's start with this. What is important about maturity? What's important about maturity? In Colossians 4.12, it says, Epaphras, which is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. That's so good, fully assured. James 1.4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And John 15.8 says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Our goal as Christians, we're saved for the purpose of maturing and bearing fruit. That's what we're here for. We're here to bear fruit for God's glory. Maturity is a state of being. I want us to be careful with that because we're continually growing into, like we never want to stop growing. But there is a place where we, where we have that, where we stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Like that's a good place to be. Where the, the trials, the struggles, they come our way, but we know because of time and his word, time with him. We know what the answer is without us struggling through it. You know, so, um, and it's not always that easy, but that's a good place to be. Um, so it says, uh, I, I want to give you an example too, and from my own experience and from what I do for a living. So um, as a tree guy who has the license, uh, you know, I have an expertise in, in tree work, or at least I passed the test. And, uh, but well, one thing that is true about a tree, and I think you see this throughout all of nature, is that a tree, regardless of the size, it only bears fruit when it's mature. Only. So you can see a tree this big bearing fruit. It means it's reached maturity. And it doesn't mean it's reached its full gen genetic potential, but it's reached maturity enough to bear fruit. And 
I just looked at a tree yesterday, <clears throat> a hickory. It was about 40 feet tall. Last year was the first year it bore fruit. Doesn't matter the size. It's when it bears fruit, it's reached maturity. It's a reality. And our goal is to get to that place. You know, so, but he's talking first. So he, he, he reaches um, to the little children. And he says to the, to the children, and the first thing he says is this. Children, and, which is young ones or new believers, I will say. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says to them later, and he says, you know the Father, but we'll get to that. So this is the beginning, right? This is the beginning for all of us. The only thing, the only way that we can, um, we can start a relationship with God is to have our sins forgiven. So that's the beginning. Right? That's the foundation of all of it. 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, this foundation of knowing that our sins are forgiven, like that's the foundation that's laid. But it's really good for us to think about what that really means. What did Jesus really do for us? What did he do by saving us? What did he do by dying on the cross? What did he do? So a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter as a real celebration. We celebrate the resurrection Resurrection is the key tenet to our belief. If we have no resurrection, we have nothing. The resurrection, I would encourage you guys, if you haven't looked into it, it is so, so obviously backed up by all kinds of evidence that this took place. It's so good. We did a study on it on Friday night. Carol, and, you know, you guys who were there, like you guys remember. Like we did a bunch of study on, on the resurrection because it's so important. And we celebrated that. And that's a good place for us to be. Um, but prior to that was Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And when we really consider what Jesus went through to have our sins forgiven. Like, that's, what we, that's where we need to be in our minds, right? This is why we do this. It says, do this in remembrance of me. And not just in remembrance of what he did on the cross in that he, he saved us, but the example that he gave us by being broken. You know, in Philippians, it, it talks about uh, that, and that verse, actually, being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That passage where he says that, um, uh, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Like, that is where we need to be. And not only in, like, that passage is a relationship passage. So he gives us not only the, he, he's broken for us so we can be saved and our sins can be forgiven, but he's given us that example of this is what it looks like to love. This is what it looks like to live like a Christian. This is what it looks like. That's what he says. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. You know, so it's so, he's done so much. 
Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life. And a lot of you guys, I want to say this, like, a lot of you guys know this. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know where people are, you know, in relation to God. I know a lot of you, but I don't know everyone. But really get a hold of this. He just lived a perfectly sinless life. He was tempted like all of us. He was accused, wrongfully accused. He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was betrayed by friends, by people who were with him. He was forsaken by not only Peter, but by, by the Father. He gave himself completely to make the only way to the Father. He is the only way to justification. And you guys have probably heard this, this kind of definition of justification, but it's good because it helps us remember this stuff. But just as if I had never sinned. You know, we've been made right with him. He's made the only way for that. He's made the only way to be reconciled. To be reconciled is to be made, to, to be given peace, like to, to, be make, to make peace between two things. We've been reconciled be, uh, by Jesus through his death, through a shedding of his blood, to be reconciled to God. We've been bought back. Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the, the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And then we're given that charge to never forget this stuff. So it's like, who doesn't know this? Who has come to church for you know, any length of time but doesn't know this? But man, do we need to be reminded of this. Because this should be real. This should be in our, our mind all the time. This should be where we're at in our, in our state of mind. And then he says in John, says to the little children, you know the Father. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then John 8, 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. If we have a relationship, right, where we've, we've come to God and our sins are forgiven, we know the Father because we know Jesus. We know him. A relationship begins there. And this is really for, again, for, you know, for people all at, the, at different stages of their, their growth and their maturity in Christ. I don't know where you're at, but I would encourage you to really consider if you haven't cried out to Jesus, if you have not humbled yourself before him, if you haven't been broken before him, if you haven't been honest before him, if you haven't poured out your heart to him, seeing what he's done for us and asking him, Lord, just please forgive me. I want to be yours. Then I would encourage you to do that. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. You know, I think the majority of us have done it. And it's awesome. And that's great. Because if, we, if we've been saved, we have an advocate with the Father. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. We belong to him. He leads us into all truth. He comforts us. We have confidence in the resurrection. We have eternal hope. He says we have mansions. 
in heaven. We're heirs with Jesus, 2 Peter 1.4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We are new creations. We have life. We are saved. Saved from hell. Man, that's so awesome. And that should be always here. Always remember. Always remember what he's done. But we can't. How do I say this? That can't be it. Right? That can't be it. That's the beginning. That's that's what God has done. Now, it moves on to not what God has done, but now what do I do? The next step is what do I do? So, I would encourage you, get, if you're, and, and Paul talks about this and reprimands the church about people who, who are still not beyond the stage of just being saved. They're still not past that, well, I'm saved, so I'm good. Like, I'm okay. I can hang out here. You can't hang out there. You got to be there here, but you got to move on. You got to mature, you know, and you can't jump from one thing to another. You can't go from like little kid to elder kind of thing, you know. It doesn't work like that. You know, you got to go through the, the whole pattern. But <clears throat> so, um, so that's the foundation, right? The foundation has been laid by Christ. That foundation has been laid. What are we going to build on that? All right, so now we're going to jump the, even though you can't jump it. Ah, I just said that. But... <laughs> We're going to jump the young men because John does, so I'm going to go with him. Um, so in, in John 12, um, where he says, where did I put it? <clears throat> he says, in 13, he says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Now when he says fathers, he's talking about elders. He's talking about older folks. He's not necessarily talking about just, just men who are, uh, father children. He's, he's talking about mature people. So he goes to the mature people. And again, I'm not sure why he, he goes that route. I guess there's some, there's some different thoughts about it, but we won't go there. But one cool thing is, check this out. Like, now, there's not enough evidence in the Scripture to, to say this definitively, but it, but it would make a ton of sense. Um, when he's talking to these men, these people are probably his contemporaries, his age, right? You know, roughly. John hung out with Jesus. You know, when he's saying, I'm writing to you, uh, fathers, because you know the one who is from the beginning, it's possible that they were hanging out with Jesus, listening to him speak. Like they were part of that whole thing. It's possible. You know, it makes, makes sense. Um, so, so there's an aspect there that, yeah, they were there. They knew the one from the beginning. But then the, another point of view on that would be that they know, truly know, the one from the beginning. And to know is to not just, not just have a knowledge of, but to really know. If you really know somebody, it's different, right? It's a, it's a deeper, intimate relationship. And that's what I think he's talking about. And I would say this. 
um, if you know, like they know Jesus, then this is what you're, this is what it is. To know his thoughts, his desires, to trust him because you know him, you rely on him because you know him, you believe him because you know him, and you call on him because you know him. You're always aware of him in every aspect of your life because you know who he is and you know, you just know him. Like that's the state of where we want to get to. You know, as babies as in Christ, I remember being a young Christian and being like, like uh, um, not, not like, like reading the word and going, I have no idea what it's saying. You know, like it says stuff, but I'm not sure what it all means. And we still have that. You know, we still go through that. We're not sure what everything means. But, but as you mature, you start to get a better, you start to build on the foundation. Things that are useful, you build into your frame of reference things that the Holy Spirit can use. When you face a, trouble, a, a struggle or a trial or a difficult time, a, a decision to make, the Spirit brings to, to remembrance a scripture. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's good. You know, um, uh, count it all joy when I face trials of all. You know, it's like, boom, you're there, you know, because you've built that in. And that is a part of being mature and uh, having a mature relationship with Christ. If we're mature in Christ, we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. If we are mature in Christ, we're rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. We're able to teach others, Titus and 2 Timothy 2.24. We're not easily offended, 1 Corinthians 13. Understand the value of prayer, reading and meditating on the word. Ephesians 6, 18, and Psalm 1, 2. We test the spirits, 1 John 4, 1. Taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We do this. This is, this is, what, this is where we want to get to. We want to apply every, the word needs to be applied in every aspect of our lives. Um, we test the spirits. 1 John 4, 1, taking thoughts captive. I already said that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. Romans 12, 14 giving thanks in all things, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. All aspects of life are filtered through the word of God, Romans 12.2. We're seasoned, victorious, understanding God's will and unshakable in trusting God. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. And everybody's at a different place. You know, just like, you know, little kids growing up. You know, they're all growing at different rates. Everybody's learning different things. But the goal is to be able to bring all that in so that you can, you can confidently um, trust God in everything and look to him for everything. In Hebrews 5.14 it says this, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We need to be training our powers of discernment by constant practice. But what is that? What is it that we do? And this is where it gets down to the nitty-gritty, just the basics. There's nothing else to do. We have the Word of God, and we have prayer. That's what it is. That's where we get this. That's where that constant practice is. 
The more we're in the word, the more we know who God is, the more we trust him, the more we see in every aspect of our life where his word has power to help us be victorious over something, help us defeat some aspect of this wretched world that we're part of. You know, this old man that we're always dealing with. And then when we're in prayer, when we're seeking him, when we're honestly broken, humbly before him, and he's shining his light on us, and he's revealing these things, like, that's where reality is. That's where relationship is. That's where growth comes. You know, that as a new believer, that's, it moves from, from just, I, I don't know much, but I know I'm saved, through constant practice being trained in these things, you become mature and bear fruit. Man, there's not like, it's not crazy. It's not like out there, you know? Amen. Praise God. All right. I love it. Um, Ephesians 4.13, it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Get back into Ephesians. Amen. Um, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We want to attain to the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, and we, I've, again, this is one of those things, you know, it's like that, that it's just a basic. It's just a basic. You know, when you're shooting for something, when you're aiming, when you have a goal, the goal needs to be way up here. That's where you want the goal. If you, if you aim down here, eh, you know, you might hit a little lower. But if you aim all the way up here, and that's who we have, we're aiming to be like Christ in everything. We're aiming to resemble him in every way. Man, that's, that's, our, that's who we're going for. He's the ideal. You know? So we need to set him up as the ideal. We need to be going, man, how far do I fall from that? And man, <laughs> I fall really far from that. You know? um, but, but that's okay. You know, we have to be able to say that to ourselves. You know, I I messed up. I want to do better. You know, this is an area I want you to change in me. You know, and that brings us back to to walking in the light. You know, um, just bearing, being willing to bear ourselves before God and allow him to shine the light on those areas and being humble and receptive when he says, there you go. You know, I want to see you grow. So, there you go, work on that. Or bring that to me. You know, um, confess that to me, and I'll cleanse you. You know, so, and then 1 Corinthians 14 20 says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So we're called to, like, the, the battle's up here, right? A lot of times the battle's up here, it's in our mind. You know, if our mind is fixed, on him, how do I like? I, I can't say it enough. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, like that's that's where we want to be. Our minds need to be fixed on that. Our minds need to be fixed on this, what He's done for us. Our minds need to, be, need to be fixed on this is the example that He's given us. Like that's that's where we need to be in our minds. So our goal is to bear fruit. Now, 
you don't go from, like I said, the little kid to the elder, you know, to the mature person. There's a, uh, what am I caught on? Caught on a capo. That's crazy. <laughs> Be dragging that thing around. Um, <clears throat> so John points out another group. And this is good because, how many teens are out here? It's like I can't see. You know, um, there are some teens out here. And maybe we're in a place where, as Christian, you know, we might be, you know, 50 years old and still be in a teen state of maturity. We might be in a state of, you know, um, I'm saved, so I'm good, you know, and not really pursuing and not, not looking at how to bear fruit. So, um, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction and taking a step. Like, that's the goal, right? And I said this a couple week, a uh, couple times ago that like we want to we want every week every day every well every time we we present or we hear something or whatever we want to be able to get one step closer to the ideal like that's like to be our goal how do i get a little bit better how do i get a little bit better um, but then john talks to the young men and john says to the young men why do I hide this passage from me? Um, <clears throat> he didn't say that. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. In 1 John 2.16, he, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. You know, we're consistently battling, right? We're going to consistently battle our old man. Um, Paul said, I have not attained, you know, this, this like perfection, but I'm striving. I'm working hard. I want to I run this race to win it. And that's where we should be. But there are times, you know, um, there's a, a time where the foundation is laid and now we're, we're learning how to uh, uh, train our powers of discernment, you know. And so as young people or as young people in the faith, as, as adolescents in the faith, you know, our goal is to, to build on the foundation of Christ. So like I said, it's our time to work. Jesus did the work that saved us. Now it's our time to do the work. You know, as, as young in the faith, you know, uh, and as young people, we tend to face, we can tend to face these, these continual lusts. Not that the lusts go away, but I think as we become more mature, we're able to, like I said, um, by training, by, by constant practice, we're able to distinguish the, the things that are, that are good and the things that are evil. And that's where we want to end up. But we have to take time to do that. So this we go from that stage of being, being just a new believer or just in that state of I'm saved to that state of, okay, now it's my job. What is my job? And now I'm building on that. Like uh, Paul says in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians, where he says a foundation has been laid, which is Christ. And uh, what are we going to build on that? You know, is it something that's going to, uh, going to last? The foundation is laid, but what will we build on it? It says that they have overcome the evil one. And I want to say this. 
that we, as, as we're growing in Christ, the battle is continually on what is truth. Like that old question, did God really say? That deception from Satan is consistent throughout. And that is what is, like I said, it's kind of up here where our, where our fight tends to be. And we're always being challenged. Did God really say that? So we need to be, again, be disciplined. Be disciplined in taking the time to see what he says so that we can grow, those, grow the, that, the word into our lives so that we can become assured of what God's word says and what his will is so that we can bear fruit. Like that's the process. We go from the, the uh, new believer to the building on the foundation that was laid by Christ. Our job, what we do, building the discipline of, which I said already, prayer, reading. And there's more to that though. It's this. It's church. Like this is good. We have a church that loves God. We have a church of people who, who sincerely want to serve him, sincerely want to grow in him. And we have such a great well of, of um, opportunity for people who have questions to say, hey, I'm not sure what to do. You know, like, um, let, me, let me call a brother up. You know, like we need to be that. That's our, we're a family. We want to see each other bear fruit, right? And that's, that's the goal. Um, so we're in this state of, of, of young men, this adolescence. We're learning how to trust him. We're learning to trust him. And we're learning um, by his word, by prayer, and by fellowship, by building that, those relationships. Okay, Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. What steadfastness do? First James, or, or, and James says, uh, James says that steadfastness brings maturity. Like that, it's like this is, we have this great pattern here. It's so cool. Um, and it's right there. Um, and then first, first Peter 2, 1 Peter 2.1, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for this pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I would say to you, especially young people, if you're here, you know, if you're listening, young people, or if you're, you, you know, and I, I, want, I want us all to do kind of like an inventory of where we're at, you know, where are we? Let's question ourselves, challenge ourselves, challenge everything. That's what I say. Like, challenge it with God's word. You know, where do I stand? Where am I in this relationship with God? Am I in a place of maturity? Am I a place where I'm, where I'm, I'm, I'm confident? I know what, God, um, what God's word says about situations. I know exactly that, that um, I know exactly where to turn when I need something. You know, I know these things, like they're built in. You know, or are you in a place where you're, you're still kind of like feeling things out and you're not really sure and you're, you're, you know, um, you're asking a lot of questions, not sure where to go with that, not sure what God's word says, or are you just new? Are you just new? 
challenge these, you know, ask yourself these questions. You know, this is the way to get, to, to grow, is to be honest, be truthful. So young people especially, young people. Um, <clears throat> I would encourage you to put the discipline in now. Discipline is difficult. It might be uncomfortable now. But put the discipline in now. You're either, and this is, this is, this is how the reality, this is really how things work. Um, either you're going to suffer discipline now or you're going to suffer regret later. Regret hurts a lot more. Take the time now, wherever you're at, whether it's your, you're a teen or you're a teen in your walk in Christ, put the discipline in. Take the time. Spend time in God's word. Line yourself up with him. You know, have, have a godly mindset. Get a worldview that lines up with him. In everything, just go back to his word. You know, um, if you have parents who are saved, you know, build that relationship. Start to really get to, to, um, to talking to them about things that matter because this is what matters. This. There's nothing that matters more than this. And we have one life. We are called into this for a purpose, and it's to, again, bear fruit, to become mature. So I would encourage you guys with that. Um, <clears throat> and don't, don't shrink back. Um, so... We never want to settle for mediocre. Again, our ideal is Christ. We always want to be there. We always want to be fixing our eyes on him. And so I would say, I have three questions, right? And you can ask yourself these questions. Excuse me. The first one is, where am I according to this? Spiritually. Where should I be? And where does the Lord want me to be right now? And I say right now because, like I said, you, you're not going to go from a step of infant to el- adult or elder. So God is going to, he's going to reveal where you can be right now, where you should be right now. Um, and that's, um, that's where, that's, that's the next right step, right? Um, there's something that we can't be as stagnant. We can't just remain where we are. We always need to grow. So it comes down to how do we get further along than we are now? And again, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. We need to honestly examine ourselves. Without truth and humility, we can receive nothing from God. God gives grace to the humble. If we're humble before God, he gives us grace. He will, he will work in our lives. We need to ask God to shine his light on the areas that we need to work on. And he uses word to do that in his Holy Spirit. We need to confess our sins, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to acknowledge those things before God. Be honest where we are. And I've said that <clears throat> so many times. Because without honesty, you get nothing. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Be in prayer and in the word. How can the word abide in you if you don't read it? We need to confess our sins to one another. James 5, 13, 16 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. 
Is anyone care, uh, cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Galatians 6, 1-2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I want to throw this out there and... I want to encourage you as the body, as our family. Like, we really are a family. Like, we, we are, you know. Um, we're eternal family. And I want to encourage you, like, the Scripture tells you, tells us all to reach out to, if you're sick, if you're struggling, if you're having questions or whatever, the phones are, the phone numbers are available. The doors are open. You know, reach out to the, to the leadership of the church. Like, we have no problem, right? I mean, we have no problem. Be happy to encourage, you know? What's that? We live for this. Exactly. Like, it's, there's, I've seen too many examples of people who are in a body but don't, but are struggling with something they don't have to struggle with by themselves. We should be bearing one another's burdens. You know, we should be encouraging one another. And, and like I said, reach out, to the el- reach out to the elders, reach out to me, reach out to Steve. Like, it's no issue. You know, like Steve said, we live for this. <laughs> it's totally true. There's nothing more that we want but to see every single person in here bear as much fruit as possible for the glory of God.